Hello everyone, this is your host Ramakrishna from Usha Investment Group LLC. Welcome back to Multifamily AP360, the show where we discuss 360 degrees views on mindset, passive and active multifamily investing. For those who are looking for tips, strategies, best and challenging experiences. Also, I request you to share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Today's our guest is Andrew Lidham from Self Storage Stewardship. Welcome, Andrew. Hi, Rama. Yeah, uh, nice to meet you, Andrew. Thank you. Yes, you too. Yeah, thank you for joining. A little bit about Andrew. Andrew is a husband and father of four from Chesapeake, Virginia. He earned his master's degree in civil engineering and practiced as a structural engineer for 12 years before stepping away from engineering to focus on commercial real estate investing full time. He owns three self-storage facilities and has partnered with Community Investment Group to start their self-storage division. CAG is a company that primarily focuses on multi-family assets, but is also pushing self-storage and hotel conversion projects. So with that, Andrew, you want to add anything to your background? No, I think that's uh, that's a good uh, good summary. Okay, awesome. So what made you decide to invest in self-storage and quitting your, you know, civil engineering and structural engineering role? Yeah, I was... Um... So I've I've been involved in uh, investing in real estate for a number of years since uh, 2015 was when I I started that was when I was still uh, full time in engineering and uh, just started with you know your small residential multifamily just uh, some a duplex and then picked up another duplex and a triplex and caught the real estate bug and so with that i mean the the strategy was working fine and moving in the right direction but just as i was evaluating just how long it would take to get where i wanted to go it was going to it was going to be a while and so uh that's when i you know i knew several friends that were doing things in the commercial space and started uh just with podcasts and getting to know folks and how the commercial space works uh just the power of the valuation within the commercial space with uh, being able to really control the value through the the net operating income and being able to, you know, as you increase the income, decrease your expenses, um, really control the the outcome and the growth of the value of an asset a lot more than you can in the residential space. You know, in the residential space, if you could put a million dollars into into a house, but it's never going to get past the glass ceiling of what a three bedroom, two bath houses. But in the commercial space, if you if you run the business well, and it's, uh, it's going to be valued based on the income of the property and how well it's being run. So you can just, you can create a lot more value uh, in the commercial space than you can in the, in the residential side of things. Got it. Awesome. Thank you. And so what do you think are the key factors to successful in self-storage investment? Yeah. So as far as uh, self-storage goes, uh, when I, I decided to make the shift to commercial real estate, I, I evaluated uh, self-storage, uh, multifamily and mobile home parks. And I like all three assets. I don't have any investment in mo- the mobile home park space as of uh, as of yet, but I am passively invested in a number of multifamily deals and invested in self-storage as well. You know, all of those, I think, provide 
uh, good recession resistant investments that have been have a proven track record. Uh, but when I was looking to make the transition, um, the multifamily space is, is very institutionalized. I think you you really need to have that foot in the door, have a lot of networking, have uh, a lot of bandwidth to be able to run with those projects. Uh, whereas the self-storage I saw as, as being much more manageable and able to be run remotely and something that I could do while while doing my full-time job. And so that's that's what led me to pursue self-storage. The other thing with self-storage is um, there is a portion of the market that is owned by the institutional players, the REITs, public storage, uh, extra space, CubeSmart, uh, life storage, all the big players. But really, even though the market's consolidated quite a bit in the past five to 10 years, they still only own about 30% of the market. And there's another probably 20% that's owned by the bigger regional players. But there's still about half of the self-storage market, you know, in the there's about 60,000 facilities nationwide. About half of those are still owned by your mom and pop operators who own one to two facilities. And so um, even though it's become a very hot asset the past five years, uh, just with its track record through the past recessions, through COVID, it's performed um, outstanding. There's a lot of money that's been moving into the space. So that it's it's been very competitive, but it's um, there's still a lot of opportunity there to work direct with owners to pick up smaller facilities that are mom and pop owned and operated that have a lot of management opportunity to just run them more smoothly to implement technology in um in just the uh the online presence and marketing uh so that's why i i moved in the self-storage direction uh knowing it not that it's easy but it's a simple business model got it so on what markets you're looking and what size of deals and you mentioned yeah, there is opportunity to implement technologies. So what kind of technologies you're trying to implement? Yeah, so our, our market right now, uh, primarily focused in Virginia and North Carolina, but really open to the whole Southeast, looking for the deals. When I first started, I was looking for smaller deals. Um, now, especially that I'm partnered with the community investment group, looking for larger deals in the, say, 40,000 to 100,000 square foot uh, facilities anywhere from the two to 20 million range um, as far as purchase price, looking more for existing facilities with value add opportunity or conversion opportunities, as opposed to a full ground up development, just because of the, just the length, the time horizon of the projects, as well as the risk within those ground up development for the existing properties, as well as conversions, you can, you can get those up and running a lot a lot more quickly and eliminate some of the risk um, that comes with self-storage projects. As far as uh, the technologies that you were mentioning, there's still quite a few. You'd be surprised at how many facilities don't have an online presence. Uh, even just as far as the Google Maps, they're not. They don't have a pin <laughs> at the location, um, let alone a website. You know, so um, obviously that's um, those number of facilities are decreasing every year. But there's still a lot out there that uh, mom and pop uh, operators that built the facility in the 70s and 80s, and it's paid off now and cash flowing um, plenty. So there's not really a need to really highlight those efficiencies or 
uh, squeeze the value out of the project because it's it's doing exactly what they what they want. But as far as um, you know, online rentals, uh, being able to have a website that's functional on a mobile device where people can pull it up, rent a unit, uh, get access to their unit um, on their phone, all within five or ten minutes. Not even having to, you know, the touchless touchless rentals, not having to go to an office and sign a lease, being able to do all that uh, via mobile device or internet is huge. Awesome. So what do you look when considering when considering a self-storage investment? Yeah, so um, in considering self-storage, we're, we're looking, uh, really the most important thing is, is your market study. You know, self-storage is, it's a very hyper-local asset class you're really, um, you know, your primary market is going to be within a couple miles of that site. More so when you're in the middle of a city, um, a large MSA, you may only have a, a market within one to two miles because people aren't going to drive by other facilities to get to your facility just to store, store their items. They want convenience. They want it close by. Um, in the secondary and tertiary markets, you get a little bit wider, uh, wider range. So you could get people coming from, you know, 10 miles out if you're in a more rural location. But the market study is really what we look at, you know, looking at what facilities are in the market area, um, what's their occupancy, uh, what are the rental rates, and compared to the subject property that we're looking at. So is there is there room to raise rates? You know, a lot of these mom and pop operators haven't raised rates in 10 years. And so they're significantly below the market the market when it comes to that. Um, the other thing is as far as the value add opportunities. So is there is there room for expansion? You know, if if a, a self-storage facility is 100% occupied, it's it's telling you something about the market and the demand, but it's also telling you that the rates are are too low. So being able to really see those those opportunities, the the operational efficiencies. So being able to, you know, if if somebody has a full site, full-time manager that they're paying a salary to, where a site may be able to be managed uh, remotely with uh, part-time help to run the facility, that significantly cuts down on the expenses. And just to be able to implement processes, so you're auctioning off units and you're not just letting letting units sit there. So you may, you may get facilities that are 100% occupied, but they're only... 60% economically occupied. So only 60% of the people are paying and you've got a bunch of units that are full of stuff that aren't being turned and aren't aren't being rented out. So what are the most important considerations when underwriting a self-storage property? I'd say the the most important things would really be to get a good feel for that supply demand of the market. So the the worst case scenario would be to go and build a self-storage facility in a market that is already is already saturated is already you know doesn't really need the demand so if you add say 100,000 square feet to a market that's um that's already meeting the supply but doesn't need need more then it it puts a puts pressure on the entire market and kind of hurts everybody <laughs> um so being able to really look at the market and get a gauge for that demand of what are the other sites in the area? Is is everybody full and busting at the seams? Um, then that's a great scenario to be in because there's a there's a high demand. Um, but if 
your site is 70% full and everybody in the market is 70% full, then in your underwriting, you can't assume that you can get it up to the 85 or 90% occupancy. Um, you can, if everybody's 100% full and you're 50% full, then that's a safe assumption that by operating it correctly, you can get it up to where it needs to be. That's a very good point. Uh, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So, so what are some common sources of financing for self-storage properties? Um, so self-storage, uh, there's there's a lot of different options. You've obviously got conventional financing and uh, banks have, have really opened up the past five to 10 years to the, the whole asset class of self-storage. Uh, just with how well it's performed, the default rate is uh, considerably lower than most other asset classes, including multifamily um, on, on loans to self-storage. So, so banks really like the asset class. So as long as you can put together a good business plan and, and show the, the value of the project, most banks are on board with that. Uh, local banks are good ones to work with. The, they're local to the project, uh, but also the bigger, the bigger banks have, have room for the self-storage as well. Um, the other option, uh, which is huge, and especially for people just getting started, is, uh, is the SBA loans. Self-storage uh, qualifies as a small business. And so you can, it's, it's applicable for the SBA loan, which allows you to get, um, get up to 85 or 90% uh, leverage on the project. Um, and a lot of those, a lot of those loans will include uh, construction or CapEx budgets. And so, um, so that's a good, that's a good option as well. And then um, just, you know, you could, like I said, a lot of these, a lot of these projects, um, obviously there's the, the higher end stuff, but there's also projects that are, you know, you can purchase for the same amount as the house, you know, there a couple hundred thousand dollars can get you a small self-storage facility. Um, so there's really a big spectrum of, um, of, you know, the, the asset class as a whole. With SBA loans, uh, what what size of loans you will get? So um, the SBA program only allows each uh, individual to have up to five million dollars of SBA loan, um, but a lot of times you can partner with banks that will. Um, you know, we're working with Live Oak Bank. They're they're the biggest lender, uh, SBA uh, lender for self storage in the country, um, and you know the a project we're working on now they basically will, they'll take that SBA limit up to the max, and then they'll put a supplemental loan to cover the rest of the project. So the, it's possible to um, to go higher than that $5 million limit um, if the if the bank likes the project and they're willing to, to do like a supplemental loan like that. Um, but as far as the SBA, just the SBA portion, the portion that the government is, is guaranteeing, that's going to be a $5 million limit and that's that's per individual. So if you're if you're splitting it 50-50 with someone um and one of you already has some SBA loans then um then it's the combination. So if it's if it's just you as an individual that's guaranteeing the loan then you have up to 5 million. If if it's more than more than one of you you can you can have multiple loans or um get higher than that combined. Got it. Got it. So would you share any of your best self-storage investing experience so far? Um, my best experience, it's a, well, it's a, it's a project I'm, uh, I'm working on right now. I purchased, it was my first, uh, the first facility I closed on. 
Um, it was actually, a, it's a combination of a self-storage gas station and car wash. Um, wasn't looking to get in the car wash or gas station business, but um, the property made sense. And so I I closed on that uh, this past, uh, last October, and we've been just operating, uh, operating it, implementing our business plan, getting the occupancy up. Um, so it's been on a trajectory that's continuing to go up and we've, um, uh, it's been a lot of, a lot of work, a lot of working through, uh, 10 years of mismanagement and, uh, a neglected, a neglected property. But, um, but we've, we've started to see that, that traction and turning the corner on that project. Cool. And would you share any challenging experience also? Uh, some of the challenges with self-storage are, you know, your the the security is a big thing. Just trying to keep the the property secure. Um, you're part of the business that you're going to have. Uh, you're going to have people trying to break in to units. So just trying to keep a handle on that. Keep the the security cameras. You know, the the lighting on the property to try to deter that as much as possible and. And then the second thing is just the, this past year has been really tough on getting good contractors, you know, getting the work done, finding people that can do the work and that will that will actually do what they say they'll do. So that's been uh, that's been a big challenge this past year. Yeah. How are you mitigating second the second part? So mainly finding contractors and completing the work. Yeah, that's 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 been really tough. We've had a, another site that we're working on just um it's really been just trying to be that squeaky wheel, you know, to stay on top of the contractors. Um, I've got a, a maintenance guy that's on site that, you know, he's he's my primary go go to for um, handling the the back and forth with, you know, meeting contractors on site. But it's it's been getting creative, you know, just trying to network, trying to really connect with the right people. So just, you know, anybody that you're talking to about you know, if I'm talking to somebody about doing landscaping, I'm going to ask them about, you know, if they know anybody that does gutters or they know anybody that does painting and just trying to increase that that network of contractors so that for for any given thing, uh, you can have two to three contractors on call that you're not depending on one one person or one team that, you know, if, if something falls through, you've got a backup right away. Awesome. Awesome. And what is your current focus, Andrew? Yeah. So my, my current focus is uh, stabilizing the properties uh, that I have, but um, the, the biggest project I'm working on with uh, community investment group is developing a, uh, an indoor uh, vehicle storage facility. We're converting a 60,000 square foot warehouse to indoor vehicle storage and then building boat and RV storage in the back. Um, so that's, uh, that's the big, big project I'm, uh, I'm in the midst of currently. Awesome. And good luck with that. Yes. Thank you. Uh, and any, any of your personal habits that are helping you to be successful? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, just getting in the habit of, um, of setting goals and uh, being consistent with checking in and having accountability for those that, that you're moving in the right direction, but as well as just, the waking up early, uh, getting your day started with, uh, with some personal time, you know, I'd start with, uh, just prayer time in the, uh, time in the Bible, you know, myself to just get myself centered on the day, then being able to kind of run through what's on the, what's on the ticket for the day and just starting, starting each day that I can like that so that, uh, you can hit the ground running. Cool. 
and any books that impacted your life in what way? Yeah, I would say um, one of the one of the biggest ones is the uh, the book Who Not How. Um, I think it's uh, Dan Sullivan is the the author of that. Yeah, and um, that's one that I definitely am far from mastering because I'm I'm just one that uh, my my default mode is to just do everything myself. And so the uh, the premise of that book is to not ask how to do something, but ask who I need who I need to bring into this to help me. Who's the who's the expert instead of taking everything on myself? Because we all are finite. We all are limited in what we can do individually. But uh, when we're working together as a team, when we bring in the right people, as Jim Collins said, you know, you've got the right people and the right seats on the bus, then you can go a lot further. So just asking that question of who, not how. Awesome. Awesome suggestion. So how can listeners can connect with you? Yeah, they can. Uh, they can connect with me. My uh, my email is Andrew at selfstoragestewardship.com. And um, more than welcome to reach out on LinkedIn as well. And I'm I'm happy to happy to speak to any of your listeners or anybody that's interested in self storage or investing or passive investing. Any you know, I love uh, I love talking about that and helping helping folks uh, in any way I can. Awesome, and thank you very much, Andrew. Thank you for sharing your experience on uh, self storage space. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on, Rama. Sure. Thanks for listening to Multifamily AP360. Check out the show notes and grab the freebie on our website, ushacapital.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Follow me on my social media. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time.